This is the Strategic GC, Gartner's General Counsel Podcast. Welcome to the Strategic GC Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Collin. It has become one of the most talked about issues in corporate boardrooms. How can I use artificial intelligence to make my company more efficient? One recent Gartner survey found that social media conversations among corporate executives on how AI can help the workforce had doubled since last November. Another Gartner survey showed that two-thirds of leaders in human resources are planning to use generative AI to streamline their HR work. But are these expectations realistic? Has the AI hype gotten ahead of what the technology can actually bring to companies? These questions are particularly challenging for general counsel who face an increasingly demanding workload filled with new regulatory mandates, compliance requirements, and shareholder activism. Automating tasks so legal teams can focus on bigger, more strategic initiatives could be a game changer. Today we're talking to an executive who isn't just thinking about this, but is actually trying to implement it. Tim Frazier is here to discuss his approach to using generative AI in his in-house legal department. Tim is Vice President, General Counsel, and Corporate Secretary for Toshiba America. Welcome, Tim. Thank you, Laura. Uh, looking forward to the discussion. Let's start with a definition, and then I'm going to ask you a broad question. Here at Gartner, we define generative AI as AI that learns from large volumes of information to create new artifacts, which can include text, images, videos. So tell me, Tim, why, in your view, does generative AI hold promise for in-house legal departments? In my view, generative AI is going to allow us to be able to create more value, to be able to deliver that value at the speed of business, and to reduce costs while we do it. I think the amount of time and energy that it's going to take to be able to perform uh, basic legal tasks, I think, is going to over time is going to be reduced significantly. If you're drafting a new policy, you can ask ChatGPT or Bing Chat to generate a, a draft of a policy that, you know, is a good first draft. You know, that is a huge time saver. It will enable us to, I think, uh, do more in-house, um, not just in terms of our ability to support our internal clients, but also uh, reduce our dependence on outside counsel, at least with respect to day-to-day -day corporate matters. That's a very important point. Let's back up for a moment. You started to talk about use cases. You mentioned yep. um, building policies. Can you talk about some other use cases? What's your vision here? And again, I, we understand that it's early days here. We've just this week enabled Bing Chat Enterprise, which we understand uh, will be able to address some of the confidentiality and privacy issues that have been primary or a major concern with the public versions. And so that will allow us to be able to lean in more heavily and, and really start to experiment. When I think about this from um, use cases, I kind of think about what are the capabilities, generative AI, and I think of it in terms of text generation, summarizing information, synthesizing information, extracting information, and then also sort of automating sort of customer service type activity. You know, we've used it to generate some initial drafts uh, or templates for legal letters. 
We're going to be using it in the contract setting, using it to basically summarize basic concepts and information that we can use when we are communicating with our uh, internal clients and trying to educate them on, on various different issues. Can you walk me through an example? You talked about um, how it can help you with your internal clients. One of my colleagues was trying to explain some basic legal concepts to our, you know, some of our executives. And we could have sat down and drafted up a summary explaining what it is. Instead, we basically asked ChatGPT to basically give us a summary of what those were. We made a few edits and put it in an email and sent it off and took us a fraction of what it would have taken otherwise. There are concerns, of course, about some of the reliability issues. So how do you yeah. um, deal with that as a general counsel? Yeah, no, that's fair. And and look, this in that particular example, that was one where, you know, we we understood the information we were we were looking at. It was just we avoided having to spend the time drafting the summary. And so we were able to look at it and understand that it was it was accurate. I think when we think about what the risks are of generative AI, accuracy, I think, is the one that I worry about most. Okay. Part of what we are going to have to do is to develop habits and skill sets for how we start basically mitigating that risk. And so some of that's just as simple as looking at the citations and checking the citations and seeing it, making sure that they support what it says. Some of it will probably involve us looking at external sources to just verify or validate what we're seeing. It's really going to be around culture, education, and mindset and habits. Why is this a priority now? Given some of the risks, we went over some of the reliability risks. Why not take a wait and see approach? So first, our employees are using it. And so I, I think taking a view that you're not allowed to use it, I think, is being naive. And so I would rather see both the organization as a whole if, and, and my team talk about how we're going to use it and figure out how to use it safely. I think as the organization is looking at whether it's digital transformation or use of generative AI, we as a legal team, we need to be in a position to support them, which means we both need to understand the technology, but we also need to be able to support that business growth. And I think this helps us do so without having to potentially add headcount. A couple other comments. One, I think the potential value to the organization, I think, is pretty large here. And I think as an officer, I have a duty to explore and pursue it. I think I owe it to my team to give them the opportunity to become proficient in technology that almost certainly will be critical for their long-term career. And it's going to affect my ability to recruit and retain talent. Do you think companies with AI will replace companies that aren't leaning in here? Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. I think you'd often hear on, you know, when people are talking about will AI replace people? And, and the answer is generally people with AI will replace people without AI. And yes, I believe that you know, companies with AI will replace companies without AI. The ability to streamline operations, create new value, and speed the delivery of products and services, I think is going to create an insurmountable competitive advantage as compared to, to those companies that don't lean in and embrace the technology. How are you um, encouraging the members of your team uh, to test it out? 
So I'm I'm fortunate. I think most of my team at this point is is actually interested in experimenting with it. Oh, that's great. Now, part of it is they've spent the last six months listening to me talk about it and sending them podcasts and articles. So I think part of it is sort of the natural curiosity, but I think the other part of it is that I've been talking about it in terms of our ability to be able to meet our internal client expectations with respect to those routine legal matters and giving ourselves the ability to be able to focus on more complex, higher value work, which is more interesting and you know has greater professional opportunity for them. Are you having discussions to sort of share information about things that members of your team are learning as they test this out? I'm pulling the team together for 30 minutes every two weeks as an opportunity to try to share information, both from a sort of technology and sort of how-to, but also so that they can share information within the group about how they're using it, what they're learning. Are there any takeaways? If there's one takeaway I would, you know, would want to impart on on others is get started. It's going to be an awkward iterative process that's going to take time. So you mentioned you want to reduce outside counsel costs. How are you getting your employees to use AI-enabled legal research tools? You know, what I've told my team is they will not be allowed to go out to outside counsel without having tried to answer the question using the AI-enabled legal research tool first. They may still go to outside counsel to get the answer to their question, but I want them to both A, get into the practice of, of using it instead of just picking up the phone. I want to start validating you know, the results that we're getting to see how they square with what we're getting from outside counsel and just start to build that that muscle memory. Are you restricting the types of data that your workforce can put into these tools? Yeah. Um, our employees have only had access to public versions of generative AI. Um, and we have been very clear that no confidential corporate information is allowed in, no intellectual property, no PII, and, and so on. Um, as we start to move forward with um, the implementation of Bing Chat Enterprise, which purportedly is designed to protect confidential information, corporate confidential information, we are still going to restrict highly sensitive information from going in. The technology is too new, and I think time is necessary for us to be able to fully understand the technology and how it works and to be able to validate that the confidentiality representations that are being made are in fact going to hold. How are you planning to use AI in contracting? We are looking at implementing an AI-enabled contract redlining tool. What's the mission there? Is that to reduce time on your staff or what's the hope there? Our hope, expectation is that both will be able to reduce the amount of time that it takes for us to be able to turn around third-party paper, but that we'll also be able to have more junior members of the team basically doing that work, and also to be able to create greater consistency in how we approach contract review across the, the group. What are sort of the elements, guidance, or guardrails that companies should implement here? We've kind of learned, I think, from our experience with COVID that given how fast-moving this is, that 
basically the the issue is to be flexible and to be able to have our governance framework evolve as the technology evolves. Sure. And I think, in, at least in our view, is that the the framework of policies that we currently have in place generally provide the protection that you need, whether we're talking about confidential information, privacy, protected health information, information security, patents, trade secrets, you know, at the end of the day, the, the real issue is under, in my view, is understanding what the risks are that are created by the technology and how we're using the technology, making sure that our employees who are using the technology understand those risks, understand how the policies that we have in place apply in that context and what they need to do to comply with those policies. And so what we will be making some minor edits to our policies uh, really to make explicit that it relates to generative AI. Really what I'm anticipating is that every three months or so, there will be a guidance document that is addressing sort of the risks as we understand them in that moment. Talk about your cross-functional innovation program you set up and, and what your role has been on that and what the mission is there. Is part of the effort to try to be able to manage the risk, hold together a, a team that involves executives from IT, HR, technology, um, business, you know, we're set out to, to sort of think about how do we help our employees understand the technology, adopt the tech, start experimenting with it. You know, the goal here is really to build a culture of experimentation and adoption. Can you share any more detail on maybe how often you meet and, and what you're offering to your workforce? Are there trainings? Are there um, sharing meetings? How does this innovation program work in practice, in other words? Part of it is education and training. So um, having communications coming out from our CEO announcing the, the program, we will have training and educational materials that will be available uh, for people who are looking to be able to uh, learn more about the technology and how to use the technology. We're going to have some roundtable discussions where you know people can get together and share ideas. We're looking to have an awards program where we're going to be able to recognize, you know, people's efforts to experiment. Can you talk about your innovation program and how you and you're thinking about managing that risk in terms of a risk matrix that could be coming down the pike? We're thinking about uh, developing a risk matrix just for AI. We're uh, making sure that as part of our overall risk program that we've got a, a specific page for just AI-related risks. Okay. The goal there really is to be able to be able to have an objective framework for how we track and think about and assess those risks. And then the innovation program that we talked about, you know, the cross-functional team that's been working on that, you know, really in many respects, we are sort of working to understand, um, assess, and manage the risk. But I expect at some point in time, we will end up formalizing that into an AI governance committee. So how disruptive do you think this will be? Laura, there's a lot of debate and discussion around this, and I've, I've given it a, a lot of thought. And in my view, I think this is going to, you know, generative AI and, and AI more broadly will be 
at least as disruptive as the invention of the computer and probably as disruptive as the industrial revolution. The reason I say that is, you know, it's not just going to affect how we do our work, but it's going to impact the nature of the work that we're doing and, and who is going to do that work. And so the potential impact here is immense. And there are some Silicon Valley insiders who have projected that it could potentially start to see societal disruptions in three years from now. I have no idea whether or not that's true, but it certainly speaks to the speed and magnitude of the impact that this is going to have on not just our work, but society as a whole. Great. Well, here at Gartner, we're definitely keeping an eye on it. Thank you so much for being here, Tim. Thank you. Appreciate the discussion. As more companies look to harness AI, global regulators are considering rules to oversee the technology. Gartner clients can get more insight on that in our quarterly journal for C-suite leaders, Gartner Business Quarterly. With us now to talk about that briefly is my colleague Steve Shapiro, a principal here at Gartner. Steve, what do business leaders need to know now about AI regulation? Thanks, Laura. So this piece in our latest issue caught my eye, and it's actually one that you authored. There's been movement on AI regulations from the US, EU, Canada, China, and the UK, and they all share some things in common, which is great because that means GCs can do four things now to prepare, even if some rules won't take effect until 2025. First, be transparent about AI use. At the bare minimum, post a notice that you're using AI and tell your clients or consumers how it's creating value. Second, be able to demonstrate that you're taking risk management seriously. That means continuously monitoring AI use and performing algorithmic impact assessments. Third, establish a process that allows humans to monitor AI use. Don't let the AI run wild. People at your organization should be able to explain why AI came to a certain decision. And last but not least, guard against data privacy risks. Establish guidelines, create awareness among staff, and take a privacy by design approach to all initiatives. You can read about these insights and more in our third quarter issue of Gartner Business Quarterly, available now on Gartner.com. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. Share this episode with your friends and colleagues and join us for the next episode of the Strategic GC, Gartner's podcast for general counsel. Please subscribe and share the episode with your colleagues. Thank you for listening. Gartner Podcasts are a production of Gartner, the world's leading research and advisory company, equipping executives across the enterprise with indispensable insight, advice, and tools to achieve their mission-critical priorities. You can learn more at Gartner.com. All content in Gartner Podcasts is owned by Gartner and cannot be repurposed or reproduced without Gartner's consent. Gartner is an impartial, independent analyst of business and technology. This content should not be construed as a Gartner endorsement of any enterprise's product or services. All content provided by other speakers is expressly the views of those speakers and their organizations.